and gentlemen, I've held back a lot. As much as I go off, I've held back a lot over the years. Not anymore. I'm not holding back. I'm sick and tired of that nonsense. I'm about to undress a few folks. Not by name. But I'm about to undress a few folks with that mode of thinking. Here I come. Buckle up. And I want to warn y'all. These words are not the words of ESPN. They're mine. Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, August 6th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I am your host, as always, Travis Karcheski. Uh Just me today on the show. Got about eh, three more weeks till we move into school. So um, I don't, I'm not sure. We've got six more episodes, so I'm not sure when we'll get Truman back on next. That was a nice little bit of a... Uh, it was a good show on Thursday because it sort of took a break from just the monotony of just me. And it was Truman, and Truman did a great job uh, with Ryan. So that was a really good episode. And again, huge thank you to Ryan for coming on. Um, but again, like I said, about three weeks left until we move into school. And Truman and I should be pretty consistent from then on out as far as recording. I mean, we'll find a time every Tuesday, every Thursday. And possibly, you know, Johnny Glide has been on a couple times. He's living with us. Um... We'll get in and we'll we'll start ripping these out. We're going to try to get back to interviews. It's just this summer has gone a little bit different than what we thought. We thought it would be a lot easier to record back and forth and get a bunch of interviews and all this stuff. But with his work schedule, with my work schedule, it was just really uh, hard and sort of impossible to you know, get him in every single episode, every single Tuesday and Thursday, and record interviews. I mean, we can't really record interviews because he's gone, and it's just, and then I'm gone when he's back, so it's like we can't really schedule times for athletes to come on and do interviews. It's not like we haven't had opportunities. It's just hard for us to get together uh, to do that. So once we get back to school, expect this uh, this podcast to, you know, sort of run on normal terms now. No more single episodes. It'll just be me and him and a couple guests here and there and some athlete interviews. That's our hope um, for this podcast going forward. But as far as everything else goes, we do have a lot of sports to talk about. Again, with Thursday's episode, um, we didn't talk much baseball. We didn't talk any baseball at all. We pretty much did all NFL talk the entire time. So we're going to roll... uh, Back a little bit, go back in time a little bit to get you all caught up on everything that went on with the deadline, and it was a crazy deadline. So let's get into it, guys. Talk about some of the moves that were made. All right, so we'll go back to Wednesday. Wednesday was the big move that sort of kicked it off, and the deadline. I mean, I thought honestly there'd be a lot more moves that were going to happen, you know, a lot faster. But you know, we did have some big signings, some big trades. Uh, but a couple pieces got didn't get moved that I thought would. Um, so we're gonna start with Wednesday's sort of kickoff, the kickoff uh, trade, which was maybe it wasn't Wednesday, it may have been Tuesday. I'm not sure. The Indians traded Trevor Bauer. Um, probably one of the more surprising moves of the deadline because I didn't think anybody expected us to trade Trevor Bauer. Um, they traded him to the Reds, and then the Padres were also involved in that deal. It was a three-team deal, and from all accounts, I think people would all agree that the Indians absolutely dominated that trade. They traded Trevor Bauer for, um, in return, they traded him to the Reds, and that's all the who the Reds got. Reds got Trevor Bauer, and then the Padres got 
Taylor Trumbull, I believe his name is. He was the Reds' top prospect. Yeah, Taylor Trammell. Um, he's an outfielder. For, well, he was for the Reds. Now he's with the Padres. He was their top prospect. He is now going to San Diego. Um, and in return, the Indians got Framil Reyes, Yasiel Puig, uh, Logan Allen, Scott Moss, and Victor Nova. Five players for one. I mean, it was an absolute haul for the Cleveland Indians, and they made a great decision to do that. Um, I know Trevor Bauer, it sucks. He's sort of a fan favorite and all. Um, but from what I've been hearing, he wasn't great with Terry Francona. Terry Francona uh, wasn't you not like Terry Francona didn't like him around. He didn't you know they didn't talk to each other or anything. They just Terry Francona is an old school style manager, and I guess Trevor Bauer tried to put his opinions in places where honestly they shouldn't have been. And I guess Andre Knott, the Indians beat reporter, was talking about how. Terry Francona went to dinner with Trevor Bauer's father to try and figure out, you know, what's going on. You know, how do I coach this kid? What's the best way for me to, you know, get the best out of him? And I guess Terry Francona came back from that meeting and just said that, you know, Trevor Bauer's dad is basically the same as Trevor Bauer. You know, they think they their way is best and they're not going to listen to anybody else's. And that's sort of the impression I got from Trevor Bauer over his time with the Indians. And he curbed it a little bit, you know, when he was with the Diamondbacks, you know, Trevor Bauer was, you know, hated there. You know, a lot of the teammates just really didn't like him. They thought he was cocky and he's arrogant, and he is. But um, when he came to the Indians, he sort of mixed in with the players a little bit better. I mean, you saw him sort of jiving with the clubhouse a little bit more than he was with the Diamondbacks. You know, he made some great friends on there, Mike Clevenger, obviously. And, you know, he's a hard person to understand and to like, but when you get him onto the field, he just dominates. And, you know, there's some places where, you know, he thinks his ways are the best, and sometimes they are the best way, um, but then you go to the other side, and he thinks a certain way is the best, and it just doesn't work out, but he still refuses to change it. Um, And that's where we sort of ran into a problem with Trevor Bauer. I don't think... That the, you know, throwing the ball over the thing was like the incident where the Indians were like, all right, we got to trade him now. I think, you know, obviously that was sort of a sneak peek, a peek into what the Indians have been dealing with the last couple of years with Trevor Bauer. You know, just a lot of just headaches and just annoyances. And I just think the Indians wanted to get rid of that. And they did. And they got rid of Trevor Bauer, traded him to the Reds. And they were able to get two major league outfielders. You know, you got Yasiel Puig who is one of the most polarizing players as well in the MLB. Um, they got him for the rest of the year. You know, he's only a rental. But then they got Framo Reyes, who is an absolute tank. Hit 27 home runs. Hasn't hit his first yet with the Indians. Um, but the, both him and Yasiel just ripped the absolute cover off the ball. And Framo Reyes, we have him under control for like the next five years. So that was a nice move for them to pick him up. I was surprised. I would have been happy with just you know those four players, but they threw Fran Mill in there, and Fran Mill Reyes is a very, very, very good baseball player, and now we got him for five years. Uh, I'm not sure where he's going to stick, where we're going to play him uh, for the next couple of years. You know, we got a lot of good young outfield prospects, but even if Fran Mill just sits in that DH spot, I mean, he could hold down that DH spot for the next couple of years, and that would be huge for us. And then you throw in Logan Allen who I know not a lot of people know a lot about him. Um, he was the 7th ranked prospect in the Padres organization. He's a left-handed starting pitcher. He has some major league 
experience. He pitched a little bit. Wasn't great, but wasn't terrible. And then he was dealing with some injuries. Now he's, you know, he's healthy, he's back, and he's back in the Indians' farm system now. And he is going to be somebody who, with the uh, loss of Trevor Bauer and, you know, probably Danny Salazar. I mean, we could talk about that. Danny Salazar is probably, his career is probably finished. I mean, I heard... A lot of people say that after his start on Thursday, that Danny Salazar is probably never going to pitch in a Cleveland Indians uniform ever again, uh, which is devastating news. But if you watched his start on Thursday, I mean, it was a mess. But with that, you know, Aaron Savala, we got him, we got Jeffrey Rodriguez, we got, you know, Zach Plesak, Shane Bieber, we got Clevenger, we got Kluber and Carrasco both getting healthy. I mean, this Indians starting pitching staff is pretty great. And Logan Allen, you just throw him in there. I mean, if something were to happen, if Kluber and Carrasco weren't going to get healthy quick enough, or, you know, I forgot about Plutko, too. I mean, we have Adam Plutko. I mean, Logan Allen can just add to that right now if we needed him to. And then Scott Moss is an interesting prospect. You know, he was, I believe, the number eight prospect in the red system. Uh, hasn't had any major league experience yet, but he is, um, you know, a left-handed pitcher, which this Indian farm system is sort of, depleted with of left-handed pitchers we kind of needed some of those guys and now we got two of them and you know scott moss is an interesting prospect and we'll see if he turns out into anything and then victor nova which was kind of the throw-in at the end there um obviously he's sort of a lottery ticket prospect you know you don't know what you're going to get with him he was batting i believe like 550 in the uh rookie league he's only 18 19 years old um he was batting about 500 for the Padres, I believe. Maybe it was the Reds. I'm not sure. Anyways, now he's batting about 330. He's gone down a little bit, but he's had an amazing season. So, I mean, obviously there are some good signs there. But he was probably just the throw-in player that the Indians wanted. A little sweetener there at the end. So, it was a good deal overall for the Indians. I mean, I know I've seen a lot of tweets where people were saying executives over the elite have said that they were surprised, you know, who they got, who the Indians got for uh, Trevor Bauer. I mean, we got a haul for them. So let's go to a couple more trades here. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, another former Indian, was traded to the Rays. Um, Aguilar, you know, he's with the Brewers. The Brewers picked him up uh, from our organization a couple years ago, uh, and he had that great first half last year. He was amazing, and he made the All Star team, made the Home Run Derby, and then his career ever since then has sort of tanked and. The Brewers were sort of getting sick of him, I think. You know, they have Eric Thames. They have a couple other good players who can play there. And he's only batting 225 this year with only eight home runs. But if there is an organization that can revitalize a player like Jesus Aguilar, it could be the Rays. I mean, the Rays do a great job of getting the most out of their talent. And you got to take into account, you know, Jesus Aguilar was playing in the NL. Now he goes to an AL team. I think maybe in a DH spot would be perfect for Jesus Aguilar because once he gets contact on a ball, Aguilar will smack it. I mean, the Brewers have had experiences where they get you know first baseman prospects or whatever, and they just tear the cover off the ball for you know half a season or a season. I mean, I go back to Chris Carter a couple years ago, and uh, then he goes somewhere else or he starts to decline, and he's just not the same. And I th- I don't know what that is. Maybe it's the Brewers ballpark. I'm not sure. Um, but it's something to think about, definitely. But Hayes Aguilar to the Rays, I think that's going to be a good deal for him and sort of revitalize career, try to get back to where he was. 
And then we'll go to the Athletics. They traded for Tanner Rourke. Um, Tanner Work was with the Reds. He has about a 4.2 ERA, over 21 starts with the Reds. He's a good quality starter. I mean, he was a big deal coming out of the Nationals. And, you know, the Reds signed him because they needed some pitching help. And he wasn't great for them. But, you know, he's 32 years old, so he's not getting any younger. But still, he did add a little bit of consistency to the Reds' rotation. And I think that's what the A's wanted to do. And the A's are another team, like the Rays, they can get the most out of their starting pitching. I mean, they turn some pitchers into some pretty good weapons. And, you know, he's going to go into that rotation. Who I mean, they lost uh, that, what was that one guy lost to suspension? Frankie Montos, I believe his name is. Um, and they're still working to get Sean Manea back. So, I mean, the A's are going to show up that rotation with Tanner Work. He has some playoff experience, and it makes sense. Now, on the other side, the Brewers, they traded for Drew Pomeranz. That didn't make much sense to me. Drew Pomeraz has been pretty bad this season. 5.67 ERA over 77.2 innings pitched this season. He hasn't been great. And he was atrocious last year for the Red Sox. Uh, so the Brewers got him. I know the Brewers were desperately trying to get some pitching, some starting pitching into that clubhouse. And they just weren't able to do it. They got Jordan Lyles and they got Drew Pomeraz, who are interesting players because when they are at their best, they're pretty good, but they haven't been at their best in a long time. I know Jordan Lyles pitched last night. He pitched pretty well. And the Brewers' rotation right now is not very pretty if you're going to go into the playoffs. I know that's what they were trying to do at the deadline. They were trying to get Madison Baumgartner, all these guys, but they just couldn't close on some of these bigger names. And same with the Red Sox, too. I know the Red Sox were looking for pitching as well, and they just didn't get it. And now they're going to roll into this, you know, playoffs or try to get into the playoffs with, you know, a pretty shaky rotation right now. I know the Red Sox are in a better position because they have Chris Sale and David Price, but after those two guys, it's pretty much a steep drop-off. And the Brewers, they really just have, like, six or seven just mediocre guys who are either going to give you, you know, a decent start or an absolute atrocious start. And that's not what you want when you go into the playoffs. When you're fighting to get into the playoffs, what you want is one or two guys you can just give the ball to it and that you know, you have confidence that they'll just absolutely dominate. The Brewers are different also from the Red Sox in the fact that they have a couple decent bullpen pieces. I mean, Josh Hader is obviously one of the best, but with starting pitching, I mean, the Brewers didn't do much to upgrade it, and I'm not sure what their plans are from now, uh, but definitely they're going to need somebody to step up in that rotation if they expect to go far into playoffs. And, I mean, you got to give them credit. They did it last year. Uh, they made it far in the playoffs with not great starting pitching, but even then, I mean, they had Chachin last year, Chechen or whatever his name is. Uh, he was their sort of ace in the playoffs. And he hasn't been great this year, so I'm not sure what their plan is. But, hey, give them credit. Let's see what they can do here with that rotation. You know, it's up to now to their manager to work this out and get them to the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. We'll go to the Phillies then. The Phillies traded for Corey Dickerson from the Pirates. Corey Dickerson's been pretty great this season. Uh, he's been he's only he's about 30 years old, I believe, and he's hitting about 300 right now with about only about four home runs. And he was missing a couple of bits of the season due to injury, but they, you know the Phillies needed outfield. They needed an outfield option. Uh, they lost 
Andrew McCutcheon to injury. They lost Jay Bruce to injury. And they need some more outfield options. And Corey Dickerson's going to do that for him. He's going to fill that role nicely. Like I said, he's batting about 300 this year. And he has he doesn't have that many home runs, but he is a consistent power hitter. And I think that's going to work well with Hoskins and Bryce Harper as the Phillies try to make their push towards the playoffs. So Corey Dickerson to the Phillies. Um, I'm not sure what the return was with that. And then we go to our next big move. Shane Green was traded to the Braves. Now Shane Green hasn't been great the last couple of games, but overall this season he has been amazing. Um, he's posted a 1.18 ERA over 38 appearances, 22 saves, which I think is the league high right now, and he's exactly what the Braves need at this moment. The the Braves bullpen has been pretty consist, pretty inconsistent this year. They've been up and down. I mean, their closer is Luke Jackson, and he's been pretty inconsistent this year. So I'm guessing Shane Green will take over the Braves' closing role. And, I mean, he's under contract for another year, so I'm guessing he'll take over that closing role for next year. And, you know, maybe they'll get him as a contract. I'm not sure. But Shane Green is, again, I talked about it at the deadline preview show. He's one of these guys who are fitting the Tigers' system of rebuilding perfectly. He fit it perfectly. And it's where you sign veterans who had a bad year. I mean, Shane Green had a pretty rough year last year. You sign these guys uh, to short contracts, uh, and uh, cheap contracts, and you get the most out of them. You sell tickets, you get what you can out of them, you get an all-star, and then you're able to flip them at the deadline for some prospects. And now the Braves have a pretty good bullpen piece there. Like I said, their bullpen has been pretty inconsistent the last couple of uh months and they need that in the playoffs if you're going to get to the playoffs you need consistent bullpen pitching and i believe now the rate the braves have that uh in shane green so good move for them i predicted shane green to go to the braves uh so give me credit for that give myself a little bit of a pat on the back they also got mike mark uh melanson if you remember melanson a couple years ago he was coming from the pirates i believe he was a big deal. I mean, he was an all-star, one of the best bullpen pieces in the game. Um, struggled a little bit, so they the uh, Giants signed him to a four-year deal. Again, trying to get the most out of him in 2016. It was a pretty big chunk of change because, again, he did have a lot of success up to then. But he really hasn't, you know, produced as much as they thought. I mean, he only had 15 saves in his first season. Um, I think overall he only had 15 saves with the Braves, if I'm looking at these stats right. Yeah, he only had 15 saves over his tenure with the Giants. Um, had a little bit better of a year, though. I mean, he's pitched fairly well. He has about a 3.5 ERA over 43 appearances. So, I mean, he has bounced back a little bit. And now they have Shane Green um, for that uh bullpen as well so mark melanson and shane green that's a pretty decent one-two combo especially if mark melanson can be even half of what he was uh a couple years ago with the i believe it was the pirates i can't remember where he was really good but it was one of those teams there and then you go to one of the biggest moves of the deadline if not the biggest that is the astros trading for zach grinke Putting together, I mean, you could say the Mets, but putting together one of, if not the best rotations in baseball right now, best triple-headed monster with Garrett Cole, Verlander, and uh, now Zach Grinke. 
And you could say the Mets with Stroman, Syndergaard, and DeGrom, but still, Grinky, Verlander, and Garrett Cole. And you got to give into consideration the Astros haven't worked with Zach Grinky yet. And the Astros, I mean, they make their starting pitching one of the best starting pitching rotations in the league because they do a lot of different things with their pitchers. And if they can all stay healthy, and you throw Wade Miley, who had a lot of success in the playoffs last year with the Brewers, I mean, this is a blockbuster deal for the Astros. And this is something, this is the kind of move you need to make if you want to go for it and if you want to win World Series. This is something that the that the Astros you know, have been looking at for a long time, and they went out and they did it. Uh, this is... I mean, this is an ace. You you added an ace. They have three aces now on their roster. I mean, he has been amazing this year. 10-4, 2.9 ERA, and it's just absolutely insane. So if the Astros can stay healthy, I mean, this is a great deal for them to add this to their team. And then you go, who the Astros add? They added Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez is another guy. I mean, he struggled this year. 3-14 and 14 with a 6 ERA, 6.07 ERA. And people were, you know, surprised that he got traded and the Astros wanted him. I mean, because, again, he's been struggling this season. But what he do in his first start with the uh, Astros, he went out and he pitched six innings and helped them to get a combined no-hitter against the Mariners. I mean, this is, again, something that the Astros do, and this is why they are consistently one of the best teams in the uh, league because they take pitchers that nobody wants, they take guys nobody wants, and they turn them into something that nobody expected them to turn into. Nobody thought Aaron Sanchez would help to throw six innings of a no-hitter. Nobody thought he'd even be traded. And now it looks like he is an ace almost. And then you go and they got Zach Grinke, and he's only going to get better with the Astros, which is scary to think about. So if this team of, you know, this rotation of Wade Miley, Garrett Cole, Verlander, Aaron Sanchez, Zach Greinke, and they have that young pitching prospect who pitched against the Indians the other day who's also having success. I mean, this Astros rotation is going to be very good in the playoffs and very scary, and it's going to be a team you don't want to face uh, come October. So going to be interesting to see. If they stay healthy, I mean, this is easily going to be a World Series favorite, I think, in Houston. Then we'll go to the Cubs. They acquired Nick Castellanos. Talked about it on the preview show. He's batting 238 with 23 home runs. Um, oh, no, that was last season, actually. Right now he's batting 273 with 11 home runs that they got him for. Um, but he actually has a lot of doubles, which could translate to some home runs because uh, Comerica Park is actually a pretty tough place to hit home runs. And now you go to Wrigley Field, and it's a little bit easier. So he may get some more power out of Nick Castellanos. And this is one of those deals, again, Castellanos, if you know much about him, he can just hit. That's basically all he's you know, really, really good at. I mean, he's good at a lot of other things, too. His defense is not terrible, but he's not – he's an average to below average defender. And he has – there's been some reports that he's kind of a crappy locker room guy and he doesn't have a great personality and he's hard to work with. But, again, he hits. And you add that to the bottom of that lineup – and now the Cubs just added a pretty solid bat to their lineup, and they got him for cheap because he is a rental. You know he's not going to be here next year for the Cubs, but it's a good deal for them. And I mean it's working out because the Cubs just swept the Brewers, so who knows? Then we go to again. This there are a lot of moves here. Scooter Jeanette, former Red, former Brewer, was traded to the Giants. Never really understood this. Not I don't really understood what 
the Giants are trying to do. I mean, I get now that they're trying to go for it all. Um, and Scooter Jeanette's sort of the player you want for that. Because, I mean, he's 29 years old, and last season he's been breaking through. I mean, he got an all-star selection in 2018. I mean, the Reds were trying as hard as they could to get an extension done with Scooter Jeanette, but they just couldn't get it done for whatever reason. And he's missed most of these most of the season with some injuries, so that maybe that's why you haven't heard much about him or where he's at. But he is going to be healthy. He's getting healthy. He's played in about 20 games. And now he's going to look to sort of jumpstart that Giants offense. Who I mean, they have a pretty decent pitching rotation right now. And now that you add Scooter Jeanette, I mean, this team's going to be pretty good from then on out. And then, let me see here. I think that's pretty much it for trades. Um... Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we've had a couple other things going on in baseball, though. The Angels, they cut Jonathan Lucroy. Jonathan Lucroy has been hitting 242 this year. But they recently, didn't they get, yeah, they got Max Stasi, and then they got another guy, too. So they didn't need Lucroy. Um, if you remember Jonathan Lucroy, I'm sure a lot of Indians fans remember Jonathan Lucroy uh, coming over. He was with the Brewers, I believe. And when this all went down, yeah, he was, and he was traded to the Indians for, uh, I can't remember who got traded. I believe it was a pretty decent couple of prospects we traded to the Brewers and we were all excited. He was going to be, you know, the, a big piece to add to the Indians playoff run, you know, with Jan Gomes was hurt and he was an all-star at the time, but you know, he had a couple years left of control and the Indians said, you know, listen, you know, once Jan Gomes comes back uh, next year or maybe a little bit later this year, we're going to need him. We're going to use him as catcher, and we're going to ask that you go play first base or DH. And I guess Jonathan Lucroy didn't like that, so he actually declined the trade. He had a no-trade clause in his contract. He waived that, and the Indians ended up losing out on Jonathan Lucroy, which in retrospect didn't mean much because we ended up going to the World Series and taking it all the way to Game 7. But that left a pretty bad taste in the mouth of Indians fans for the last couple of years whenever they heard the name Jonathan Lucroy. Because they took it as sort of like, oh, he doesn't like our city, he doesn't want to play for our team. Which wasn't true. I mean, obviously, he didn't want to come here, but he did have a good reason as to why. You know, he didn't want to play first base and all of that. But um, maybe he should have transitioned more into that first base DH role because you know, he's had a lot of injuries the last couple of seasons. You know, as your body gets older... You, know, you can't play catcher as well or as, he as healthy as you used to. Um, and the big thing with Lucroy was he, he was a catcher who could hit. And I'm not sure this is it for him. Again, he's batting 240, which is a lot better than most catchers over the league. But again, with the injuries and his, I don't know if he still refuses to play first base or DH. I'm not sure what kind of interest he's going to garner um, with that because, again, Nobody wants a catcher who's you know injury prone and can get hurt pretty easily. He is a veteran catcher though, and he does have a pretty solid bat. But still, um, nobody wants somebody who's you know an aging catcher. I mean, he's 33 years old, which is pretty old for a catcher. So we'll see what happens with him. Then we'll go to the next couple of things with baseball. Estruba Cabrera was DFA'd by the Rangers, but picked up by the Nationals. Uh, again, Struba Cabrera's batting 235 this season, 12 home runs, 93 games. Um, he's going to look to be, you know, sort of a solid piece for the Nationals off the bench because, again, he can play almost anywhere in the infield. Um, so he'll pretty much just function as depth. 
for them. Uh, again, we talked about the no-hitter with the Astros. They threw it against the Mariners. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, like I said, threw six innings for there. And then Will Harris, Joe Bigiani, and then Chris Davinsky completed the uh, no-hitter for them. Second no-hitter this season. Um, and again, no-hitters. Again, no-hitters and uh, what was I was going to say, cycles, are sort of losing their magic like they were a couple years ago, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because people are doing it more and more, or I don't really know why they're losing their magic. But, again, Jonathan Villar hit for the cycle last night. Again, a cycle, for those who don't know, is a, a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. It's very difficult to do, but I think it's, what is it? Uh, where is it at here? I think this is the fifth, yeah, fifth cycle this season. Uh, Jorge Polanco, Shohei Otani, Jake Bowers from the Indians, and Trey Turner also did it this season. Um, it's sort of becoming more common, which is not something you know you're used to. But Jonathan Villar was an All-Star a couple years ago. If you remember, he's sort of fallen off, and now he's playing for the Orioles. Um, and they did they did end up losing that game, which is crazy. You know, it was against the Yankees, but I guess it was sort of a bright spot because it was the first cycle for the Orioles since 2009. So, good thing for them, I guess, but still, I mean, they ended up losing that game, and cycles just aren't as cool as people think anymore. I mean, I certainly, you know, it's cool to see every now and then, but again, cycles and no-hitters have just lost their magic. I mean, I would love to see a cycle or a no-hitter and, you know, live in front of me. You know, that's my lifetime goal is to see a no-hitter, but uh, it's sort of, you know, a mute point now. I mean, you see it every now and then and it's cool, but I mean, I think people are more going for like perfect games. I think a perfect game still has that sort of magic that, uh, no hitters had a couple years ago and cycles. So that's just my thoughts on that. But that's everything we have for baseball right now, guys. That's you're all caught up to that moment right now. Again, a lot of trades happen. There were a lot of smaller trades. So if you do want to go back and look at some of the smaller ones, feel free, go look it up online. But it was a great uh, trade deadline. Not as you know, uh, active as I thought. But again, that's sort of been the baseball's model the last couple of years. Same with like free agency and the deadline. They, they build it up a lot more than what it actually turns out to be. Um, but good deadline. Good you know, couple of moments in baseball the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad we got caught up. Tune in on Thursday. We're going to do standings updates with baseball. But for right now, we're going to move on to a couple basketball stories and a couple football stories. And and then we'll wrap up the show. Sorry about that little gap there. Um, I had something a little screwed up with the audio. But anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on now to uh, some football talk. Or no, let's do some basketball. We'll do a little basketball first. Um, then we'll get to some training camp talk. Got a little beef I got to pick with the Texans. So we're going to talk about that once we get to football. But before that, I had to remind you guys, again, like I said, we're going back to school in about three weeks now. I'm sure a bunch of colleges and a bunch of high schools are also going back, if not sooner. So if you want to look your best, I know everybody likes to look their best first day of school. Yesterday I went back to school shopping, got some fresh new clothes. I'm now pumped up for school because I cannot wait to go on uh, campus and just stunt on everybody in these fresh new outfits I got. Anyways. You also want to look your best, not only in the clothes. The clothes are a big part of it. You want to look your best in the clothes. You want to get all that new school supplies and all those new pencils. You want to start on the right foot, right? So you start off with all these fresh new looks and all this stuff. 
make sure you yourself look your best and you do that by getting the best haircut possible and by to get the best haircut possible you're going to want to go to D's Home Cuts. D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. Listen, I spent, you know, a lot of money yesterday on clothes. I spent, I'm going to be spending a lot of money on school supplies as well. Guys, back to school shopping is not cheap. It costs a lot of money and it sucks to have to spend that much money to look your best. But honestly, it's worth it at the end of the day. But one thing, if you go to D's Home Cuts, you won't have to worry about is spending a lot of money on a haircut you can get fantastic haircuts is you to get the best hair to get the kind of haircut dom delivers at these home cuts you'll have to pay well over a hundred dollars these home cuts will only charge you ten dollars to get the best haircut possible guys and it's all done in the comfort and safety of these home cuts it's the best place i'm telling you to get a haircut you'll feel better you'll look the best you ever looked go ahead and try out a new hairstyle guys for school and Dom will make sure you look your best. He'll tell you how to style it. He'll tell you every single thing you need to know to get the best haircut possible. These home cuts, go check them out on Instagram at these home cuts. Send them a DM to set up an appointment and trust me, you will not be disappointed. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. Let's let's talk a little bit of basketball. Not a ton to talk about basketball, but just a little bit enough to uh keep going on here so let's talk about the uh Draymond Green sorry uh he signed a four-year hundred million dollar extension for the Warriors basically that's what I mean it's brass tax they're 25 million a year for Draymond Green who has been a huge star for the Warriors last couple years a huge big point as to why they've made five consecutive finals appearances uh, under Steve Kerr. Again, his numbers aren't great. You know, he's only averaging over these last couple seasons 7.4 points per game, 7.3 rebounds and 6.9 assists per game. Um he hasn't been great, okay? But obviously now with Kevin Durant gone, you know, with Klay Thompson out, he is one of the most experienced players on the court. You know, he without Klay Thompson, without Iguodala, without Sean Livingston, without Kevin Durant, it's a whole new Warriors team almost. So you want to keep those pieces in place that have gotten you to the you know the finals the last couple of seasons. And Draymond Green is one of the huge reasons as to why. I think Draymond is one of these people who get you know sort of hated on a lot because of his actions on the court. Obviously, he's made some weird. Uh, weird um, things over the last couple of seasons. He's done some weird things on the court. Um, but he is a great guy for the Warriors. I think he's a great locker room guy. I don't have much facts to back this up, but I just feel like he's one of these guys that everybody likes to hang out with, and he's just somebody who always galvanizes the locker room and just gets everybody into the right place mentally. You know, He's always locked in. I feel like one of the best things I've ever seen was he was always – giving pump-up speeches to guys and all this stuff. I think he's a great locker room guy. And on top of that, he is one of, if not the best defensive players in the league. He will hold your favorite your favorite basketball player um, to well below you know what that player averages. He's a great defensive player. Um, and I think, like I said, I think he's great for the locker room. I think he's great for uh, the franchise on the court and off the court. I just believe this was a good signing. Again, it was a lot of money, you know, $100 million is a lot for uh, a player 
like Draymond Green, some people would say. But honestly, I think it's worth it. I think he makes up for that and even more with his experience and with his defense and with his just tenacity often on the court. So good move for the Warriors in my mind to sign Draymond to that extension. Let's talk about Vince Carter. Vince Carter signed a one-year deal with the Hawks. 42 years old, easily the oldest player in the NBA, and now he's entering his 22nd season, which is a record in the NBA. And you know, last season, he only averaged 7.4 points a game and 2.6 rebounds and only played about 17.5 minutes a night. But still, he is, for a Hawks team, this is where I think Melo can sort of fit in, and we'll talk about Melo in a second here. Um, for a Hawks team who's so young, has a lot of good young pieces, Vince Carter's the perfect piece to have coming off the bench. I mean, I know Vince Carter was going back and forth over the last couple of weeks, you know, if he was going to come back or not. I would expect this to be his last season, but again, I've said that a bunch of times before. But the Hawks kept an open spot on their bench for Vince Carter. You know, they, they told him, they said, listen, we're going to keep this spot open for you if you do decide to come back. And he did. And he's going to play one more year in the NBA, I think. And, uh... You know, give them all he's got. Give them their experience, and you know, this is one of those one of those marks in the NBA. You know, one of those milestones with Vince Carter. It's very cool to see over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he is somebody who has played in the NBA every single year I've been alive, and that's crazy to think of. So, Vince Carter uh, is going to be back in the NBA next season for the Atlanta Hawks. Now. Let's talk about Friday's interview on uh, First Take. Carmelo Anthony, he went on to First Take and gave about an hour-long interview with Stephen A. Smith. If you haven't watched it, I go recommend watching it. Uh, I had to go to work, so I had to, like, I didn't watch, like, the last 10 minutes of it, um, but I probably will go and watch it. But I'm pretty sure I got the gist of what the whole point of it was. I was nervous going into this when I heard that he was going to be on you know, the thought popped into my head, you know, maybe it's retirement, which I was scared about. Um, but thankfully it wasn't, obviously. He basically just wanted, wanted to go on and clear the air with everything that's been going on, everything that's been said about him and, you know, his career. He wanted to go on and clear the air about everything. And some of the key points brought up, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but just some of the interesting stuff that was brought up is, one, he wants to still play. He said he'll play anywhere. Um for any NBA team and he'll take on any role possible. He told Stephen A. Smith, he said, listen, you know, championships are obviously the most important thing, but he just wants to get back into the league and wants the ball and have fun. So he's willing to play wherever. And, you know, he brought up an interesting point, which is something I've been saying is, do you honestly think he said this? Do you honestly think Carmelo Anthony is not good enough to make one 15-man rotation of the 30 teams in the NBA. Like, I truly don't believe that. And I don't think Carmelo believes that. I don't think anybody could sit there and tell me that. He's not good enough to make one 15-man rotation in the NBA. So, um, that was the thought with that. And then he sort of went through his career, you know, back to, you know, the Nuggets and all this stuff. He talked about how um, he regrets signing these long-term deals with the Nuggets and the Knicks. He said, you know, he had the opportunity to go to Miami instead of Chris Bosh. It would have been, you know, Wade, LeBron, and Carmelo in Miami instead of Bosh. Um, and he also had the opportunity to go to the Bulls uh, with Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, and Jimmy Butler when they were doing their thing there. 
but he turned all of those down to sign long-term deals. He said he does regret some of them um, for different reasons, but Stephen A. brought up this point where the way Carmelo was raised, he was raised uh, to not be somebody who just goes along and just joins the best team possible. He was raised to be sort of this Kawhi Leonard, this, you know, well, Kawhi, I guess, a couple years ago. Kawhi Leonard, where you are taking down super teams. You're not joining them, you're taking them down. And, you know, obviously that didn't work out for him with championships and stuff, but the way he was raised and the way he carries himself, he didn't want to join the easiest way possible to win a championship. He wanted to earn it. And obviously it didn't work out for him. Um, and then he said he went to, you know, the Rockets and he played a couple games there. And, you know, he got shocked when Daryl Morey called him up and said, you know, he's done. That uh, Daryl Morey never told him he was cut. He just told him he's never going to get any more minutes. And, you know, that shocked Carmelo Anthony because he honestly didn't believe, and I think everybody else would agree with this, that he's not, he doesn't believe that he is not good enough to make, you know, a solid rotation playing a couple of minutes for the Rockets, which he is. But at the end of the day, he just said, you know, he's willing to play wherever he wants, you know, wherever he gets a contract. He just wanted to clear the air. He said he was young, he was dumb when he was younger, you know, with the Chauncey Billups thing. Uh, he said that was the younger Carmelo that's no longer him. And that's just the thoughts of all that. Again, I highly recommend going to watch the interview. He looked really good. He was wearing this nice pink sweater. He looked really cute. Um, so that's Carmelo Anthony. That's the whole thing with that. Uh, so, again, if I highly recommend going to watch it. So Carmelo Anthony, he still wants to play. So anybody who says anything different um, is an idiot. Uh, so let's get now to football. We got a couple things with football, and then we'll wrap up the show. We'll start with Michael Thomas. Uh, about six days ago, he signed a five-year, $100 million contract to making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. It's funny to me how he signs five-year, 100, and then Draymond Green signs four-year, 100, and like the Draymond Green contract is not even that much talked about in terms of money-wise. And it's just like it's crazy how much the NFL's contract has compared to the NBA's contracts. Um, but anyways, Michael Thomas, 25 years old, signs the highest uh, deal for a wide receiver in NFL history, and he totally deserves it. He has been the most consistent wide receiver for the Saints in the last 40 years. I, no, maybe back to Marquise Colston, but he's better than Marquise Colston. Anyways, he has been one of the best players in the NFL the last couple of years, and now he's staying with the Saints. I mean, it's a pretty bold deal for him. I mean, I think he's truly betting on himself uh, because Drew Brees has got maybe at best two to three years left, and you know after that it's going to be a pretty steep drop off unless they think Bridgewater can do it. Uh, so, I mean, he's sort of betting on himself there. But again, you know, he got his money, so a good deal for him. Uh, next, we'll go all the way up to Ryan Khalil. Uh, he decided to come out of retirement and sign with the Jets. I'm not sure what the contract was, um, but Ryan Khalil, five-time Pro Bowler, easily one of the best centers in the game for his 12-year tenure with the Panthers, and he retired after the season. And it was sort of a shock that he retired, and you know people were you know surprised that he would you know retire at sort of. You know, not at the top of his game anymore, but right there he was still putting up solid numbers. And, you know, people were shocked. But he decided to come back and sign with the Jets. Um, going to be probably right away their starting center, which is great because it's an instant upgrade for that offensive line. Especially for Sam Darnold, who now has a veteran presence in that locker room who's been through a lot 
played in a Super Bowl. Ryan Cleo is perfect for them. Uh, so great signing for the Jets there. And I guess they were in talks with him for a couple weeks, and then he finally decided to do it. Uh, next, we have Tom Brady signed a two-year extension with the Patriots, uh, making about twenty-five, I think, million dollars a season. Uh, continues to do it. He's forty-two years old, like Vince Carter. He just continues to play um, and doesn't listen to anybody, you know, who says anything different. So, uh, Tom Brady's coming back to the Patriots. Uh, sort of sucks for the rest of the NFL, but who knows? He his goal to play to 44 45 is just continuing on so good good thing to tom brady good luck to him and whatever he decides to do um the next couple of years in his career because i'm not sure how he can keep doing this at his age but you know he amazes everybody every single day so screw that next thing we have the packers and the texans are holding joint practice right now up in green bay it's actually going on right now as we're recording this Yesterday, uh, Texans rookie corner Lonnie Johnson Jr. I believe was played at Kentucky, was like a second or third round pick for the Texans. Uh, he hit Jay Sternberger, our tight end, our rookie tight end from Texas A&M, our fourth round pick. Uh, he hit him yesterday in practice. It was a pretty dirty hit. It took off his Sternberger's helmet, and it started a huge fight. And uh, there's a big scuffle in camp and all this crap. You might not have heard about this. Um, and then Lonnie Johnson Jr. goes on Instagram and posts the picture of him flexing on Jason Sternberger while he's on the ground, uh, basically concussed. Uh, so this is obviously something that would have been fined or suspended if it would have happened in the regular you know, NFL season. But obviously Lonnie Johnson Jr. is a rookie, and he thinks he's better than everybody else. And I think we haven't heard anything today. But I fully expect Lonnie Johnson to get his clock clean today or tomorrow or on Thursday during the game when they actually play. Um, so I just wanted to highlight this to let you know that Lonnie Johnson Jr. is on my shit list now. Um, I hope his career dies very, very soon and very quickly. I hope he is a bust and I hope he learns his lesson from this. I hope somebody just completely destroys him in the Thursday's game. And the Packers, they got some people on there that would be willing to do that. Maybe not in the past. Um, and the only thing I could say that would stop them from doing that is Matt LaFleur is kind of you know, a big anti-fighting you know, fighting guy, so I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't like that. But there could be some retribution come Thursday or maybe today. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because uh, that Instagram pic was just stupid. But yeah, Lion Johnson Jr. is a piece of shit. And uh, we are now rooting for him to be a bust. So we're going to give you updates on that as he goes throughout his terrible rookie season and the rest of his career. But that's it for our show today, guys. I want to thank you to our sponsor, D's Home Cuts. We ask that you go into iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review us, and subscribe. Um, follow us also on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 1 2. That's where you can send us questions, comments, concerns, and our DMs. Like I said, they're always open, guys. Uh, you can find out what's going to happen on the next show, all of this stuff, guys. Check us out on that on Twitter, TNT Sports Talk 1 2. We follow back right away. As always, guys, find us on Spotify and iTunes. Give us five stars, rate, review us, and subscribe. Um, but other than that, though, have a great day and tune in on Thursday. Thanks, guys.